part of his work in that place. Uh, right now, let's turn to our scripture reading for this morning. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take it out at this time and join us in Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, we're, gonna beginning, we're going to begin here in verse 4. Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I look back on my life, and, and I think this phenomenon might be similar for many of you as well, there's, there's these snapshot moments that I remember. Sometimes I have a physical picture, but sometimes they're just a photo in my head. And it's a moment that I remember happening right before everything Changed Moments where, at the time, I had no idea what was coming. But looking back, I realized that I was in ignorant bliss. Little did I know I was on the edge of upending change. For, for example, if I think about these, one is, is the honeymoon that my wife Alyssa and I took to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, right after our wedding. It's the only time we've taken a trip like that in our married life, and I don't think we've ever been more carefree than we were when we were there, especially because soon after we got home, we found out that in nine months, we were going to be adding a third person to that new family. His name is Jacob, and through a very difficult pregnancy and delivery, Jacob was born, and was born early enough to join us for our first anniversary together. And so I remember looking back on that and thinking a year before that, we were eating crab legs on a beach and getting sunburn. Now we forget to eat anything, and we don't even have any sunscreen. We just have a bunch of diaper paste. That's basically what happened. A lot can change in a year. 
Another moment I remember was not soon after that, or not long after that. It was when I brought little Jake. He was, he was a little bit older at this time. I brought him to, to see my, my grandma, his great-grandma. And he was just old enough, I remember, to be able to run around and threaten every fragile thing that she owned. And it had been a while since she had little ones around, so there were a lot of fragile things. And, and I think I remember that moment not just because of how anxious I was. He didn't break anything because I chased him the whole time. But what I really remember it for is that the next time that I would see my grandma, she was in a hospital. She had had a massive stroke, and from that point forward, when we took the kids to see her, we were no longer worried about her having her fine china broken by our kids. We were worried about them knocking out her, her IV or, or falling off her lap because she had lost so much control of one side of her body. A lot can change in a year. I remember January 28th, 2020, this photo just popped up on my Facebook memories this past week. It was actually two days after Celebration Sunday 2020, and I see Julie Thomas, who's sitting out there. She's nodding because she was there too. Little did we know, it was the first basketball game that my sons Jake and Evan and I had ever been to, at least first NBA basketball game. We were at the Pfizer Forum, Milwaukee Bucks. I don't even remember who they were playing to be honest, but the place was packed, and little did we know that about a month later, the entire league would stop. And a year later, gatherings of thousands of people, shoulder to shoulder, yelling and not wearing a mask, would feel like a distant memory that we all long to experience again. A lot can change in a year. Well, today is our, our fourth Sunday in our series we're calling Hitting a Wall, and it's also Celebration Sunday, two things that don't seem to mix very well, at least on the surface, but it's, it's a day where, where we set aside the time to, to look back on God's hand of blessing over the last year. We acknowledge the moment that is January 2020, and we ask God, how are we different today than we were back then? How have you changed us? How have you blessed us? And then how have we been a blessing to others by loving you and loving others in a way that brings hope to the world? That is our mission, after all, and it's a mission that comes straight from Jesus and the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. And so our scripture reading for today is from the prophet Jeremiah. And the reason we're sharing this is because I believe God put it on my mind uh, a few months ago now. It was after a long council meeting as our leaders wrestled with the decisions that we've continued to have to make in the midst of this season. And I want to pause at that moment and, and just thank our leaders, Ed Skiro and Stephen Quist and Wendy Ellsworth and Julie Thomas and Aaron Troxell and Jennifer Semrad, who's just recently joined us as Don Jacobson stepped away from his position. And as I'm looking at that list, you're all here in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> and so thank you. Anybody who's in a position of decision-making and leadership will tell you that that. To say it's difficult and challenging isn't even scratching the surface. And we have an incredible team of people who God has placed in this place for this time to lead us in the way that they have. And so if, if you were all here shoulder to shoulder, I'd have you stand and clap. Those of you who are here, let's praise God. Let's stand and clap. And those of you at home, you can do that too. 
Hebrews 13 tells us that we are to thank God for our leaders. And we do that because we imitate their faith as they follow Jesus. And so we're just so very grateful to those of you who are here. Because a lot can change in a year. And it's been a hard year. But I'm also mindful that that fact isn't new this year. That's why the scripture reading from Jeremiah stuck out to me. It's because it's happened before. It's happened to all of us and it's happened for thousands of years. Jeremiah probably struck out to me because, because the people of God, as he was writing these words, were experiencing their own moment where everything in their life changed as well. Now, now most people probably know Jeremiah 29 11. You might even have it memorized. For I know the plans I have for you. What? Declares the Lord. You, you know that one. But most people don't recognize the context that those words are spoken within. The people of God were living in exile. They were in Babylon. And if you don't know the overarching story of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they went from being this great nation to becoming dwindled down by their sin and their mistakes and broken into civil war and eventually taken over by enemy nations around them. And this is what happened at the time of Jeremiah. The people from Jerusalem were living in Babylon. They were literally torn out of their home. They were ripped from reality. They faced death, and they would not return for 70 years. And when they do finally return to Jerusalem, it's only as a remnant of what was. And even though they will rebuild, they will never be the same. Now, I was reading this this week, and it's funny, we, we also started watching this documentary as a family. It's called Rebuilding Paradise. There's a slide I have of some pictures. Most of you probably remember the campfire uh, that, that went through California two years ago. It destroyed 96% of the town Paradise, California, a town of a population of 26 thousand people. 80 people died, but all 26,000 were displaced in an instant. And even after a year, only 2,000 people had returned, and most of those people were just the people there to clean up the rubble. And so as I was reading Jeremiah and thinking about Babylon coming into Jerusalem and scattering people away from their home, this kind of made me think about that. And I recognize that it's an extreme example, both the one in paradise and the one in our scriptures. But I also think that on some level that we can relate this year. That we have been living as we look back at the year 2020 and we continue to face the world today in our own Babylonian exile of sorts. Our physical location may not have been destroyed or changed, but almost everything that was familiar a year ago has, hasn't it? And so there's a couple of things I think we can learn from God through Jeremiah. The first one is this. To live in exile is to live between what was and what will be. To live in exile is to live between what was and what will be. Here's the deal. Nobody likes the middle part. Nobody likes the middle part. Even if you're thriving in some way, if you've been healthy, if your financial circumstances are good, we still live in the tension of the moment. We're still living in the midst of the disagreements and the unknown future. It's inescapable, and you can see it today in our politics and our families, and yes, even in our churches. And so what does God suggest? 
to a faithful people to do during difficult seasons like this? Well, God gives some very specific instructions. Look at again, Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may find son, have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Now if I could summarize all of those words into just two, here's how I would do it. Keep going. Keep going. You look at those verses, it's not a a shopping list of things you have to do. As, as, As God's people made a home in Babylon, they didn't all build a house. They didn't all plant a garden. They didn't all have to get married or send their children off to get married. It's not a list. It's a description of a people who have the faith to keep going even as everything around them has changed. That's the premise of the documentary Rebuilding Paradise. It's it's a deeply tragic story, but it's also deeply hopeful. When you see the resilience of this community pulling themselves together, their their schools burned down, for example, and so they opened up classrooms in vacant malls nearby. They wanted to have a high school graduation on the football field, just like they always did. The problem was there was a thousand trees that had to be taken down, and because of FEMA, they couldn't get through the red tape of the government to get it paid for, and so they ripped them down themselves, and they had a graduation. It's pretty incredible to watch how they've dug deep into their identity, holding on to who they were and holding out hope for who they will emerge to be. And friends, as I look back on this celebration Sunday at our church, at you, that's exactly what I see in the faithful followers of Jesus as well. See, our exile moment began back in March. I remember it vividly. It was was the middle of Lent. We'd already had Ash Wednesday. We were looking ahead at Holy Week. We literally hosted one of the largest funerals that we've ever had in this building on Saturday. And by Sunday, our in-person worship services were suspended. And just like that, we were a church in Babylon. And so what did we do? We kept going. We built a new house and a new garden in this strange world they call online worship. Many of you don't realize it was that 12-year-old camcorder I bought when that little tyke Jake was born that was recording these things for way too long and a laptop. I'm so grateful for our worship team and our staff, Lisa, her husband, the people who came week after week to do that, week in and week out. Uh, Many of you contributed so that we could get rid of that that 12-year-old camcorder and have a more permanent solution installed in our sanctuary so that we could be together, not just in times of pandemic, but times of snowstorms and whatever might draw people away from the physical church on a Sunday morning morning we have gathered together every week to praise his name and to study his word in addition to the resources that many of you have been so faithful to give there's there's others who've come in to run wires Aaron Troxel who's here he literally welded the camera mounts 
that these cameras are being seated on that you're watching at home from today. Bill Falcon, Lisa's husband, spent hours and hours getting the sound just right. Emily, our sign language interpreter, every Sunday would watch the service a second time and record the sign language to go along with it so that those folks could worship as well. Beyond worship, our volunteer family care team went into overdrive. It was under the leadership of Wendy Zimmerman, who I know is going to be really mad that I just said her name out loud because she is a behind-the-scenes leader. But it's been her and so many on her team who have literally made, I'm not making this up, hundreds and hundreds of phone calls have sent hundreds of letters and cards over this past year. They've dropped off bags for those who are homebound. They've done all of it to be faithful to what God said to the prophet Jeremiah. Keep going. Stephen Cassie Quist, their team, Martha and Don Erickson, I know you guys were with them. Alexis Sanchez has done it. Others too, I'm sure, traveled throughout southeastern Wisconsin, even into northern Illinois, to connect with over 50 families with children and youth. Steve made messes in the Quist kitchen to make Christmas, um, Jesus birthday cakes and sorts of things on Facebook Live. As we worship together, we moved from online to Babeman Park for a season for our outdoor worship back in June. Here's some pictures from that. We went back to the basics, piano, singing, a children's message. We brought pumpkins in October. But friends, if you didn't join us, I just want to describe this for you. This became holy ground. This was God's sanctuary that he built with his own two hands. The ceiling was the sky, even down to the incredible weather that we had. I think there's only one Sunday that we had to go back online for all summer long through October. But eventually we came back to the building. Some of us did. We relaunched St. John's Kids. They're meeting right now as we speak. Our youth programming. We now have hybrid small groups and so some of you are back, but, but many of you, actually more of you still are still at home, and that's okay. It's so okay that we actually offered all three kinds of worship for Christmas Eve. We offered online, in person, and outside. 125 of you were crazy. It was like 10 degrees below zero, and we hung out anyway with candles singing Silent Night. And that's okay. We even changed the sign outside the front of the building. Somebody generously and anonymously donated the funds for this sign. It says, in person and online, which I want you to know is a subtle message that we are committed to being the church wherever and however we need to be, whether it's in Jerusalem or Babylon, because we know that what binds us together is our true citizenship that isn't in either one of those places, but it is in heaven with God. And so where are we today? Well, honestly, today we're, we're at a place where we can minimally maintain the basics of what we were doing just before the pandemic. And I suspect that that's probably the same for a lot of people in our personal lives as well. It's how they're rebuilding Paradise, California, one step at a time. And that's hard. It's very difficult because living in exile is living between what was and what will be. And nobody likes the middle part. And we're still in 
the middle part. And so it takes time and it takes faith and it takes energy to simply show up sometimes. For some, I know that just getting out of bed is a significant accomplishment each and every morning. Likewise, it's been no small thing for a church to continue to do the normal things of ministry, not just for those who are leading them, but but for all of you who have continued to faithfully serve and show up and participate, whether it's online or in person. This is hard. But God reminds us through Jeremiah that the effort's worth it. The effort is worth it. And not only is it worth it for our own benefit, we do benefit. They've done studies that people who have worshipped on a regular basis over the last 10, 11 months have fared better. Their mental health has been better because of it. We do benefit, but there's actually something more important than that. See, God has a purpose behind exile. God doesn't scatter his people so that they can make a more comfortable home for themselves. Remember, this isn't our home anyway. What he does is he uses us as we're scattered to reach the people that are far from God. And as painful as this past year has been, it has also been the opportunity of a lifetime for followers of Jesus to share our faith with others. This is biblical. Look at this. Jeremiah 29. Also, God says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. For a church, one obvious application for this has been our heart behind every decision we've made, and that has been to keep people safe. It's to keep our church family safe. It's been to keep our community safe, even when it goes against what's comfortable to us. But it also means reaching those who are far from God for whatever reason, so that we might encourage them to prosper and grow with the faith that we have, because if they grow, we all grow. And if I look back on this past year, the list that is longer than anything else as I look at what we have done, what you have done, what God has done through you is the things that you have done for others. Within days, members of our church were were delivering basic necessities that families throughout the Elkhorn School District needed. We know somebody on staff there who worships with us, and so they would let us know when there was a need, and, and we would anonymously bring it to them so that they could get it out to those families. You jumped up to do that right away. You donated pizza, which is close to my heart, <laughs> to hardworking staff at Lakeland Hospital. You serenaded mothers, men, in tuxedos on Mother's Day, sent a special offering to Kenya, not just this Christmas, but we sent one just a month or two in to everything for their own COVID relief efforts. But also more recently, the food that we sent for the Widow's Village, we sent assistance so that they might reopen their schools. By my estimate, over $13,000 has been given to Kenya just through the church. That doesn't mean it's in addition to people who are supporting them individually, those of you who bought lasagna dinners as a support for them. It's incredible. Our knitters, our crocheters, our sewers have made handmade masks until their fingers hurt and their eyes were crossed. 
every single family that we could get a hold of here at St. John's. If, if we didn't get a hold of you, it's not because we didn't try. Every family was given a hand-delivered mask for every person in their household. And we gave far more masks to people outside the church. Over 1,200 masks were distributed just in those first couple of months to the grocery store, to the police departments, to the fire departments. The list goes on and on. There's one story, a family in our church called me. It was late summer, early fall. And uh, they've got young kids of their own, but they came in contact with this, this single mom of three kids. She was living in an unsafe place. And they helped her get out of it, and they actually invited her to live with them until she could get back on her feet. And they set her up with an apartment. She was able to get a job, all these things, but she literally had nothing. And so they sent us a long list of all the things that you would need to do to to rebuild a home for a mom and three kids. And we sent out the entire list to you as a church family, and you provided everything in less than 48 hours. In less than 48 hours, every single thing on that list was given. We collected $1,000 in rent assistance, gave away 75 quilts, carts full of food, and $1,000 to the Walworth County Food Pantry. We collected more giving tree Christmas gifts than have ever been collected before. 153 gifts were given to children and families who may not have had anything this Christmas. And I want to thank Tanya, our connections coordinator, because as I was looking through the pictures, it's her face behind the mask in all of those deliveries. She's worked so hard to connect your gifts to the needs in this community this past year. All to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which God has carried us into exile. Incredible. Praise God. After all these encouragements, God shares a warning through Jeremiah for those in exile. And I think it's one that we should listen to as well. Verse 8, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Apparently they were asking their prophets to come up with grand visions and quick solutions, basically to tell them what they wanted to hear, that it's all okay, that it's all going to be okay, that it's all going to be over by tomorrow. God says, resist that. Resist that. Because the way to survive and even thrive in a season of exile is to continue to faithfully live every day. Not because it's easy, but because that itself will take everything in you. And it isn't because they don't hold out hope for a better future and to return to their home, but it's because it's the faithfulness and the little things that will carry them until that happens. Until God delivers on his promises, promises that are better than anyone can imagine. And the same is true for you and me. And so it leads us to our last question. What does that mean for us as a church in the year to come? What's God's vision for St. John's in 2021? I think it could be summed up in two words. Keep going. Keep going. God's vision for St. John's is to keep worshiping, keep studying, keep praying, keep serving the God who has called us to serve and do it all with hope. Why? Jeremiah 29.10. Because this is what the Lord says. 
When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and you will come, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. Would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this past year. We even thank you for the struggle and the change while at the same time holding on to the truth that we know that, that this world isn't what it was and it isn't what it will be and that nobody likes the middle. God, we own that before you in prayer. God, we repent of that at the times where our attitudes have gotten the best of us. Because we know that the middle is exactly where you've called your church to be. To be a light to encourage as many people as possible to discover the gift that we have and the faith that you've given us by your grace, a faith that you promise will carry us through not just this exile, but every exile until you deliver on your promise of hope and a future. God, thank you for our leaders. God, thank you for those who have stepped up to serve your church in the season to come in the midst of a continual unknown future. Thank you for each and every person who calls this church home and has put their faith into action, whether it be by, by tangibly and physically serving or by saying prayers from the comfort and safety of their home. Thank you, God for what you have done through this place. We love you because you first loved us, and we give because you have given us everything. And as we open our eyes, we continue in prayer, reminded that this is why we don't stop. One of the most meaningful moments for me, I don't know if it was for some of you as well, First Sunday, or maybe the first couple of Sundays, I don't remember what it was this last year, we, we didn't share communion online. And I'll never forget the first Sunday that we did. And, and it was just a surreal moment for us because, because I was the one doing it on the screen while I'm sitting at home with my family with bread and with wine and with grape juice for the kids. And as we broke bread, knowing that there were so many of you that were drawn together as one in the Spirit of God, Alyssa and I wept. And we were so thankful that God was with us. And we're so thankful that God is with us now because He is. And He promises to always be. And if you want that assurance in your life, if you've never experienced it before, I want to encourage you now to come to the table 
and see that, that our God is not above exile himself. He would be exiled from the Father so that he might save us from the things that divide us from him and to give us a hope and a future that is eternal, something that even Jeremiah could not fathom. We remember the words of Jesus on the night that he was betrayed when he took bread with the disciples and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup of blessing, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim our Lord's death until he comes again. He will come again and he's with us now. And if you believe that to be true, no matter what your background, who you are, where you've been or where you're going, I want to encourage you, open up your hands. It's a physical sign of surrender to God as we pray the prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.